Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from Pastor A.J. Fowler. your hand as a general he was you know he was hated by the church folk for the most part because of his bold faith he was the one that coined the phrase uh, fear looks when or, yeah fear looks when faith jumps um, very <laughs> that's some faith but like Catherine Coleman and him they both walked in this they both walked in such a relationship with the Lord that was you know it's like that's a desire of my heart and you know it, it's sacrifice but it's love it's not just doing something out of doing it uh, but it's out of a love it's experiencing the presence of a good father and you grow in relationship if you haven't if you're not familiar with Catherine Coleman you need to be um, I, I'm tired of reading about revivalists of the past and I'm ready to start seeing revivalists in the house you know it's these these ones that they didn't need a platform um, I didn't ask for a platform um, God's got a sense of humor that's all I know but uh, just to see these ones that they didn't need a platform they just had a prayer closet and they went for God and God began to open up doors for them and it wasn't about names it wasn't about logos or egos it was just about Jesus how do we make him famous and this love affair that I have with him how do I release that to the people around me and make him famous um, but I wanted to read this from from Catherine or excuse me from Smith Wigglesworth a friend of mine posted this, and uh, I, uh, I thought it was, I've, I've read it, I just forgot about it, and I was reading it today, and it was really powerful. Um, so, it says this, in 1939, Smith Wigglesworth prophesied to Lester Summerall, uh, I don't know if y'all are familiar with him, um, healing evangelist back in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, Lester Summerall, about the final wave of God's glory, and this is what Smith said. He said, after that, after that, excuse me, after the third wave, he started sobbing. He said, I see the last day revival that's going to usher in the precious fruit of the earth. It will be the greatest revival this world has ever seen. It's going to be a wave of the gifts of the Spirit. The ministry gifts will be flowing on this planet earth. I see hospitals being emptied out, and they will bring the sick to churches where they allow the Holy Ghost to move. There's a little bit more added, there's a little bit more to that story, uh, but that was pretty much on his deathbed, and he had a vision and what God revealed to him and what he saw coming. And, uh, you know, we, we celebrate Smith now after his death, but again, like I said, he wasn't celebrated during his time, but he saw so many get healed. Uh, an illiterate plumber that did not know how to read and write well, but his wife was, I believe that she was a preacher. Um, he got filled with the Holy Spirit somewhere in his 50s. And God flipped him right side up or upside, whatever you want to say. And uh, everywhere that he went, it was just a trail of signs, wonders, and miracles. And 
I believe that, that God wants to put that on a generation, not so much on one, but on a generation. Um, if you have your Bibles tonight, turn, turn with me to the book of Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. I'm going to uh, talk about a subject that most of you have probably heard about, but I want to talk about the blood of Jesus, and I want to talk about the, the benefits of the blood of Jesus, and really what it's called tonight's blood benefits. We all understand, we have a lot of medical personnel in the room, and everybody understands that, that um, there's life in the blood. It's what the Old, Old Testament passage talks about, that, um, you know, the, about the blood that's, that's in our body. And we understand if you, you, lose your, you lose even so much of your blood, you, you begin to get weak, and you have no strength. And Jesus is, the blood of Jesus is still speaking today. It's even as the song, it says that, talks about that, his blood speaks a better word than all the empty claims I've heard upon this earth. It speaks righteousness for me. It stands in my defense. Jesus, it's your blood. It's the blood of Jesus. And I, I'm, I'm pulling this because of what I've been praying. I, 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 or I'll declare, I'll make declarations sometimes. Jesus, I plead your blood. And I'll plead the blood of Jesus over something specific, over my family, over me, over, uh, over the church, over certain situations. I'm pleading the blood of Jesus. And people say, wait a second, what exactly are you talking about, like pleading the blood? You understand that the Bible is a legal document. Do you understand that? So I'm going to use a few legal terms tonight. It's a legal document. It's the constitution of, of, of a kingdom called heaven. Heaven. This is what it points to. Now, again, it is a redemptive story, redeeming man back from their fallen nature into their rightful place as sons and daughters. But the Bible is a legal document. It's, again, like I said, it's a constitution. And so when we, when I say, I invoke the name of the Lord Jesus, that is because I have a revelation and I understand the power that comes behind when I use his name. Just as if I say, I plead the blood of Jesus, like somebody's in court and says, I plead the fifth, right? We've heard them say that. I plead the blood. When there's something in a situation in my life, in my family, I, I can't, well, I don't want to go there right now, but there's just been some things that have been happening and I am, it, it, it's like a desperate cry from my heart. I plead the blood of Jesus. We've, we've encountered situations with certain ones in the church lately and it's Jesus, I'm pleading the blood. I'll stand in the, in the gap, make up the hedge and plead the blood. What does that mean? Because I have an understanding and a revelation of what the blood does. It's not just a phrase I say, but I understand. There's a revelation behind when I say, Jesus, I plead the blood. In other words, I know what the blood does. I know the blood cleanses. I know the blood heals. I know the blood redeems and I know the blood restores. By your stripes, I am, I were, whatever you want to say, I was healed. And it's scripture. And so when we plead the blood of Jesus, people say, well, what if nothing happens? Well, what if something does happen? It doesn't change the way I feel. I still believe the blood works. And a lot of people don't, they don't, they've never heard a teaching on the blood. So this is going to be just a straight up teaching on the blood of Jesus tonight. Um, but to understand the blood of Jesus, you have to understand one thing that's tied to it. And it's, it's, a, it's a word starts with a C and it's called covenant. Or you want to say contract. Now, we're in a culture these days where, where covenant or contracts, whether it be marriages or, or maybe business contracts, they're not upheld to the highest standard anymore. 
And it's maybe when you got married, you stood before a justice of the peace or a pastor and you, you said some words. That's a covenant. People say, well, that was just, no, 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 there, there's something to it. it. There's spiritually, when I do marriage counseling, because I understand this even more now than I've ever understood in my life, that when you make that declaration and you stand before God, spiritually, something happens in the moment. There is a, a spiritual tying the two becoming one flesh in that moment. But Jesus... You understand that the covenant that Jesus gave us was greater than any previous covenant, but you have to understand covenant. It is, it is a contract between two, all right? And typically, there's blood that's been shed. So let me read you something about the covenant. So the blood of Jesus is covenant, all right? So covenants progressively build upon one another. If we look through the Old Testament, sorry, I'm going to take you Old Testament for just a moment if you want to hang with me, uh, from, from Adam to Noah to Abraham to Moses to David and then to Jesus. There's your covenants all the way through the Old Testament. They're progressive in that they're revealing something of the next one that the previous one couldn't give you. All right? I'll try not to talk too fast. Covenants progressively build upon one another, forming a complete redemptive storyline. God preserved the world through Noah, right? We look at the ark. What does the ark represent? It represents safety. So Jesus, the blood saves me, right? So that's a type and a shadow of the blood of Christ and what he did for us. Be obedient and get into the ark, Noah. Be obedient, get under the blood of Jesus. That's your salvation, all right? So, and then... Initiated and then God initiated redemption through Abraham, established the nation of Israel through Moses, promised an eternal shepherd king through David, and then fulfilled all of his covenants through Jesus. With this moment, let me take just a moment. When Jesus takes his disciples into an upper room in John chapter 13, now listen, it's very important. There's a lot of stuff that's said. Uh, people always wonder why he just went up there, washed the disciples' feet, they ate some food, and then they went down, and then all of a sudden he went into the garden to pray, and they arrested him. No, read John 13. Read what the Apostle John begins to write. He was known as uh, the disciple whom Jesus loved. I guess when you write your own gospel, you can say what you want to, right? He was the, also the apostle that outrun Peter to the, to the tomb. So again, like he's just like, I'm faster than Peter. So anyway, but he, he writes in John 13, 14, 15. 16, and then we see Jesus praying in the garden. Well, that's the Lord's Prayer. Now, if you want to know the Lord's Prayer, read John 17. That's what Jesus prayed in the garden. And so it's important to read those, but he was in this upper room, and, and he, he initiates the Lord's Supper is what we know it. And he tells them, he says, this is my blood of what? The new covenant. In other words, we're, I'm ushering in. I fulfill the old. We're, we're bringing a new. This covenant that I'm giving to you, it's almost like, let me ask you a question, all right? Try to put yourself, I don't know if you do this when you read scripture. Put yourself in scripture for just a moment. You're following a man. Crystal and I have been watching uh, The Chosen here recently, so that's, it's like, I've just been weeping. There's moments I just weep. But anyway, so... You're following this man. You know there's something powerful to him. You're not very skilled in the first five books of the Bible or the, you know, the Torah, whatever they call it. But you're following this guy, and he's performing all these signs, wonders, and miracles. And you're hearing people say, hey, I think this is the Messiah. And some people's like, nah, he's possessed by demons. Like, oh, my gosh, I'm in the middle of this. But then all of a sudden, he gets to John chapter 6, and he turns around to this massive following of believers. And he looks, and he says, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part with me. Now, I know we all oh, know we're going to follow him to the end. But would you really? 
You see this man. Now, Peter said, where am I going to go? Peter was just a simple man. You got the words of eternal life. We're going to follow you wherever you go. And so when he says that, there's this mass departure of people. Of all these ones, it says many disciples depart from Jesus and they leave. But he's left with his, 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 his crew. But he's in the upper room and he's releasing this new covenant. He's rolling it out and they're hearing it. It's coming to their ears as he's speaking it. And he's talking about the blood of the new covenant, which he's, he's, he's bringing, he's initiating in this moment. When he died, think about this for just a moment. The moment that he resurrected from the grave, all right? He died, the spirit went in, into the, to the bowels of Sheol, led captivity captive, gave gifts to men, took the keys to death, hell, and, and the grave. When he resurrects, his resurrection is so powerful. I don't know if it's as he's coming back up to his body or whatever you want to say that, that there's these tombs and these graves of people that his spirit is so life-giving that people begin to get up out of the tombs. Right? Matthew, Matthew lays it out. I don't know why the rest of the Gospels left that out. I'm like, I guess they weren't there. I don't know. But, but as he resurrects, these people are getting up and they're walking. Mary, or excuse, yeah, Mary Magdalene, she clings to him and he says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't cling to me yet because I've yet to be glorified. Well, what does he mean? I've yet to go into that, that holy temple, which is the exact, it's the one that was made on earth was a replica of that one, into heaven, go into the holiest of holies where the Ark of the Covenant is, deposit his blood on the mercy seat, because we're in the grace dispensation, right? Grace isn't a license to sin, but an empowerment to live this life right, uh, according to his righteousness, not mine. So we're in the age of grace. So the covenant initiates us into grace. So it's if you do sin, you have an advocate with the Father that stands at the right hand. There is your mediator that Hebrews talks about. You got to catch that in Hebrews as you read it. But this is how powerful the covenant is to the point that with each covenant, God promises and plans to save the world through the seed of a woman that became clearer and more clearer until we finally see it in King Jesus, all right? Jesus perfectly succeeded at every point where humanity failed in previous covenants. Why else would you need a new one every time, right? In the new covenant, we receive forgiveness of sins and God's empowering spirit to help us live lives of, live lives of self-giving love. Because of Jesus, we live righteously, not because of ourselves, and we partner with him to see the world renewed. A lot of people are trying to get out of here quick. This is just a side note. We're talking, I just can't wait. This. I just said, skin in my teeth. No, that's not the life Jesus calls for you. So when we say kingdom of God come, do you understand that's what we're doing? You, you, we, are, we are looking, to the, the, God's going to recreate a new heaven and a new earth. We're not all going there and staying there. We're gonna, the earth is going to be renewed and we're coming back here to rule and reign with him. So people are just trying to get by the skin of their teeth to get out of here. When God has given you a kingdom, it's, it's a, the kingdom is a door and the door is Jesus. And you can't get through the door without the blood being applied. The blood has to be applied. The blood protects you. It remits the sins over your life. In other words, it gives you forgiveness. And there's no need for there to be any other sacrifice other than Jesus. Once for all, once, once for all. And he represented us and he was you and he is you. He died as you and he died for you. All right? So there's a remission. The blood remits my sins. He became the propitiation so that God's wrath wouldn't be poured out on humanity. All right? Propitiation simply means appeasement. 
He appeased the wrath of, the, uh, of judgment that sin was sure to send us to a grave. Is that too much? Sorry, I don't want to bore you with some of this. You need to have a good foundation. You need to understand what the blood of Jesus does for you. Just get, get the podcast, scan the QR code, and go back and listen to it. Don't fall asleep on me. It's not an excuse. It's not a license to fall asleep, all right? The blood breaks curses, it protects, and it heals. The blood of Jesus is a necessity to the believer's life. It's essential to your prayer life. It's essential to your marriage. It's essential to your job, your career, your calling, your future, and your destiny. You need the blood. The Old Testament, they couldn't apply the anointing oil until blood was first applied. It'd kill them without the, without the blood being applied of the lamb. Are you with me? So you got to have the blood. That's why some of these people function in sin and say, how are they so powerful? They're not anointed. They're gifted. And some of us are not wise enough and we can't discern enough to see that there's a gifting on, the, on display and there's no anointing at all. It's just a gift, right? We need the anointing, but you better have the blood applied. Somebody that has the blood applied to their life, and I'll get, I'm going, and I don't know. Maybe it's part two next week. The blood being applied, I feel to teach this. The blood without, hmm, let me put this in perspective, AJ. Don't get ahead of yourself. The blood applied to somebody's life continuously, and it's important to understand that. The blood applied to your life speaks of humility and a humble person. Because they understand they're never going to be good enough. Regardless of how great their gift is. Regardless of how great of a CEO or a business owner or a manager or a gifted whatever they want us. You're never going to be good enough. The blood and your, your understanding of your humility before God in that regard. is you, That's what keeps you in a place of where the, the anointing flows. The anointing is the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon you. Breathing upon your gifts and making them effective for the house of God. And for the people of God and for the world. You with me? Um. But I got to give you, I'm going to see how far this goes. I got to give you three things that are essential. Because let me ask you a question. How many of us want to be protected under the blood of Jesus? That should be every hand in the house. We want to be protected by that. Well, there's three essentials before you can move into something greater. These have to be a continual thing. Let me say not continue us, but continue all. All right? The first one here is for the benefit of the blood being applied to my life and for me to walk in protection by the blood of Jesus. The first one is continued repentance. It's really simplistic, but I got to give it to you because we all want to walk in continued protection by the help of the Holy Spirit and by the blood of Jesus. The first one is continued repentance. You have to be one that rapidly repents and repents quick. People say, well, what are you talking about? Here's what I believe. First off, it's no longer a question about going to hell for me because I'm not. I believe that I'm not being arrogant in that. I used to be eternally insecure very much so my whole life. But in walking in intimacy with the Father, I understand his heart. Right? It's like we've said this before, just like in a marriage, you know your spouse so much for the most part, sometimes you just know their heart. Like you, you, you know things they're about to say, things they're about to do before they even do it. Because there's an intimacy there. There's a relationship. There's an acquaintance there. But repentance that I'm referring to is I, I have repented of my sins. But what did Jesus say and what did John the Baptist say? Remember the phrase? John the Baptist's most famous phrase. It's the only message he had. <laughs> Repent for the kingdom is at hand. Many of us, and you've heard this quote before, 
Many of us repent to be saved, but we don't repent enough to see the kingdom come. Repentance is an about face, so it's an everyday renewing my mind in Scripture. Pastor Bill Johnson says, how do I know that my mind is being renewed? It's when the impossible begins to look logical. That's how you know your mind's getting renewed. Man, that pastor's talking about running 600 by when? He's crazy. No, I believe there's souls, Lynn, in this city that needs to be saved, in our region that needs to be saved. So God, I'm going to come before you and I'm going to repent. Help me, Father. Change my heart. Help me to see it from your perspective. I've got to see it. I've got to be seated with Jesus in heavenly, per- heavenly places. I've got to see it from his perspective. He's the elder brother. He, he, he paved the way for, for normal Christianity, Right? Healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons, cleansing the lepers, uh, um, healing the lame, those that were blind, opening deaf ears. That is normal Christianity. But yet, why is it that we're not walking in it? Do we repent enough to see the kingdom manifest? Or do we stop right at salvation? Understand, Jesus is the door. A door to what? A door to a kingdom. And to enter into the kingdom of God, you've got to understand the power that that blood gave to you. And it's not of your own strength. It's not of anything I've done, but it's a gift of God. It's through salvation. But the door, I've got to get through the door. I've got to step into kingdom where there's dominion, there's power. Jesus gave his apostle or his disciples uh, power and authority. Exousia, when, he, when they spoke the word, things happened. Demons were subject to them because they spoke and things began to happen. And then he gives them the great commission after the resurrection by the blood. I'm just telling you, the blood is all through it. But there has to be a heart of continued repentance. Here's an Old Testament uh, scripture that we're all familiar with. If my people. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. He talked often, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you, the true shepherd. I'll come to you. If they hear uh, my people humble themselves. What did I speak about the blood? Someone that walks with an understanding of the blood of Jesus applied to their life walks in humility because they understand it's not anything they could do. It's him. And it walks through that whole process. Pray and seek my face. So that speaks to repentance. So repent to be saved, absolutely. Repent for the wrongdoing, absolutely. But make sure that your mind's being renewed and changed on a daily basis to align with heaven because we're, we're not human beings, we're human becomings. I'm becoming more and more like him. Jesus, uh, John talked about, he said that as he is, so are we in this world. So as he is right now, victor, uh, crowned in righteousness, I, as I serve my elder, as I'm looking to Jesus as my example, as he is, so I, I, I'm, I'm to walk in that. It's not positive mental attitude, it's faith. You with me? Positive faith, it's faith. So there's your first one, continued repentance. So I have a heart of repentance. What does that look like? Father, I'm coming to you today. Yesterday's gone. Today's brand new. Mercies are new today. Forgive me for anything that I did yesterday, but God... I understand that it's in you I live and I move and I have my being. So teach me how to live and move and have my, teach me the art of living and moving and having my being in you. Read the Psalms. The Psalms lays it out so well. It talks about teach me to number my days. That was the prayer of Moses. Teach me to number my days that I would gain a heart of wisdom um, uh, and give me singleness of heart to fear your name. It's, it's repentance and it's laying down what you desire, embracing his, pulling scripture and understanding. I've got to stay in a place of, all right, you got it, I believe. I overdo it sometimes. 
The second one is this, and I'm going to spend some, I probably won't get to my third one, more than likely. I'm, I'm right here. Continued obedience. Continued obedience. That's number two. 1 Peter 1.2 says this. It says, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, and be sprinkled with the blood of Jesus. Did I miss something? If you're paying attention, you notice I missed something. To obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. So what Peter is saying, in order to be sprinkled with the blood of Christ upon my life, that means there is a continued daily obedience. It's not a one time. It's a daily walk and walking in obedience. To call Jesus Lord without obeying his word is hypocrisy and provides, listen to what I'm about to tell you, provides no protection from the enemy's attacks. If you're not, I'm going to give you another scripture. I know that sounds crazy. To obey, to call Jesus Lord without obeying what he's called you to do um, is it provides no protection from the enemy's attacks. Every one of us are not going to get through this life unscathed. The enemy will fight. Paul says it. We wrestle not against what? Flesh and blood. So that's why you got to look at some of those people that you struggle with from time to time and understand, man, I'm not wrestling against flesh and blood. Something more than this. There is a, there is a, there's a, there's a fight. There's a war taking place in this moment. God does indeed offer protection through the blood of Jesus, but it depends on our meeting his conditions. Are you ready? So it's conditional. I'll give you another scripture in just a moment. But hear this. An obedient lifestyle is the condition for, protected, for being protected by the blood of Jesus. His blood is not sprinkled on those who persist in disobedience. How can it be? The sprinkling of the blood of Jesus speaks to protection. All right? Don't think that you're not saved. You're saved. Some people may struggle. No, you're saved. Right? I confess Jesus, Lord Jesus, uh, believe in my heart, confess with the mouth. The Spirit of God comes into my spirit at that moment. Salvation happens. That's what Romans says. All right? I'm saved, but am I, am I being continually protected? That's the question, and that's the benefit of the blood of Jesus on your life. All right? Exodus chapter 12, uh, just a few verses here uh, with the Passover. Many of us are familiar with this. When it comes to Easter season, we always look, and, and again, I think over the past couple of years, I've got, kind of changed my terminology. I just call it, uh, call it Passover because that's really whenever, whenever Jesus gave his life in that regard. And the, the, the plagues of, of Egypt, God was getting ready to, to display his, uh, or he was already displaying his power, but he was showing it to the children of Israel and also that it would be known for generations to come. Read the Psalms. They're so big on, I, I, want, your, I want your wonders and your signs to be displayed to the next generation. I want them to know. So they would constantly pass these from one generation to the next. So it's important to see the signs that, that were displayed there. And it gets to this part, many of us know it, God tells Moses, he says, he says, Moses, I want you to tell the elders, gather them together and tell them that the death angel's coming and he's going to pass over. And the whole process, when we read this, you'll understand what I'm saying, says that Moses called for the elders of Israel and he said to them, go and take for yourselves lambs according to your families and slaughter the Passover. Now, this was a pet to them. They brought this into their house. They fed it. They took care of it. It was one that they, they kept close to him. So think about that. It's a representation of Christ, right? And it goes on to say in verse 22, and you shall take a bunch of hyssop and take the branch of a hyssop, uh, uh, 
the, the leaves of a, a hyssop branch, and it says, and dip it in the blood of the Passover lamb into a basin and apply some of the blood into the basin on the, on the lintel, which is the top. Now, this represents cross, obviously, and the panels of the door, both sides of the door, of the doorpost. And none of you shall go outside the door of his house until morning. So he gives them a command. There is something here. Well, I just don't know. No. Okay, disobedience comes with a price in this regard. Ask the nation of Egypt in this whole process. Until, don't go outside until morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. But listen to this part. But when he sees the blood on the lintel, on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the what. So that means he's been hanging close. Right? He's hanging out on the nation of, of Israel. He's wanting to destroy them. He's chomping at the bits. What does Satan come to do? Steal, kill, and destroy. That is the work of the enemy. Now, some people say, well, Satan's at my house this week. No, let me correct your, what you're saying. He's probably not at your house. He's not omnipresent. He's just one. But again, I said this a couple of weeks ago. He's very effective. The kingdom of darkness is rank and file. They march in unity. I promise you that. And so... This whole process, I wouldn't doubt it if Satan wasn't involved in this whole process. But it says, um, the destroyer to come, allow the destroyer to come into your houses and strike you. And you shall keep this event as an ordinance for you and your children forever. So it's saying to me, I want to make sure the blood has been applied to my life, not just for salvation, but for a continual lifestyle, I want to be covered by the blood of Jesus. That's why I plead the blood of Jesus over my life and over my family. Now, in this whole process, understand the Israelites were protected, not because they were Israelites, but because they obeyed God's instructions concerning the blood and stayed inside their houses. You could say they were on the right side of the blood, right? They were on the right side of the blood. We know that the nation of Egypt was not. There was a loud cry after midnight. Whenever people begin to wake up and see their firstborn dead in the bed. So very morbid, but they were on the right side of the blood. This applies to us as believers tonight. Hear me what I'm telling you. Our protection from the enemy does not depend solely upon us saying, I'm a Christian. That's not how it works. But on obeying the instructions of what God gives to us. And he's listed those out. I believe there's, there's those that are listed in the book of, uh, of Deuteronomy chapter 28 on the blessings and the curses. I believe it's listed in the Ten Commandments. I believe that Jesus initiates when he says, love your neighbors yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. That we're, there's all kinds of these, these laws that's rolled out. And I, and I, I dare to go into one that might, that might offend some people, but I'm not looking to offend you, but I got to tell you, I don't want you to be robbed. There is something in Malachi talking about the tithe. Will a man rob God, but you've robbed me. It's not that the church needs money. It's the process, the, a principle of releasing what, what, what belongs to God back to God. I bring my tithe and I give my offering. Are you with me? It's a protection because the scripture says, what does it say? I will rebuke the devourer, the destroyer on your behalf. So there's principles, there's things that I have to live by. Again, I, I say this, and it's Pastor Robert Morris, I can't break God's commandments. I can only break myself on God's commandments. That's how that works. You can't break his laws. How arrogant is it for us to think that? Because I don't do it, I'm broke. No, 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 not at all, not at all. I can break myself completely on it. So I want to abide. I want to walk in obedience because I can't, 
experience the continual perpetual flow of the blood of Christ upon my life if I'm in disobedience and rebellion. 1 John 1.7. Let me give you this. 1 John 1.7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is up, himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If, not we do, it says, but if we walk. So there is an if there, which is a conditional blessing. It's a conditional covering. It's only conditional. If the condition is not fulfilled, the promised results no longer apply. The condition is if we walk in the spirit or if we walk in the light, and the two results we have are fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us. The verbs in this verse are... um, they're, they're continuing present tense. So if we continually walk, goes back to sonship as sons and daughters in the kingdom. If it's those that are continually being led. Well, how do you be led? Well, you're not stubborn. Any of y'all ever had a dog that wouldn't go outside? Well, we have. And he's a li- little bit bigger than the previous one. <laughs> well, Millie's really small and Asher's pretty big. <laughs> So sometimes he doesn't want to go outside, and I have to get him in a headlock and drag him into the yard. Don't call anybody on me. It's just don't come to my house early in the morning or later in the evening at all, okay? No, I'm kidding, sometimes. Uh, but it's those that won't be led are those that are stubborn. They're rebellious. You won't be led. Well, nobody's telling me what to do. I've got a question about, about government into the kingdom of God. Now, I've seen it abused, but Jesus gave us an order. He did. He gave us gifts, gave gifts unto men. First apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for the what? For the edification of the saints, to equip the saints for the works of ministry so that they can do that. That's what he gave us. So we have a, we have a house. Man, I, I want to get into this. If you'll hang with me, I'll give you three next week, not tonight, because everybody's like, I'm done. I am done. He's Covenant, I'm done. I'm out. Um, John isn't speaking about a once and for all experience. AJ, if you would. He's not speaking about a once and for all experience, okay? He's not talking about that regard. He's talking about a continual covering of the blood. It's not a, you know, when Jesus saved me, his blood, I'm saved, all right? My spirit comes to life. He's talking about, but if we continually do what's listed in scripture, then the the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. The fact that we fulfilled yesterday, here what I'm about to tell you, is not a guarantee that we're fulfilling them today, right? It's a desire of my heart. Sometimes they're not always a delight. Is your relationship with Jesus always a delight? I got to be honest, it's not sometimes. To get up and get back into that place of prayer. Now, I love Jesus. Don't get me wrong. But a lot of times I have to be disciplined and just know I got to press through. I know he's here. I always, I've heard people say this in the church before when I've walked through some seasons of my life, when, especially when you're experiencing the test, right? You're being tested. Oh, where's God's voice now? When I can't hear his voice, I'm going to the, I'm going to, if I can't hear Rama, I'm going to Logos. I always go there anyway, because I hear scripture reverberating in my mind. But when you're going through a test, what is it they always say? Some of the teachers, Tisha, Tisha some of y'all are teachers and coming around to TCAP time and all that stuff. They're always silent during the test, right? So it's in those times I have to be disciplined enough to not give up, throw up my hands. I'm just done. Have a meltdown, be dramatic, and walk out the door. No, I'm just going to be faithful. Oh, Lord. 
that's my last point. I'm not going there. So it leads me into continued faithfulness. If I want the blood to be applied to my life, I've got to walk first off in continued repentance, continued obedience, and then I just got to shut up and march sometimes. Sorry, it's on the podcast. They can, AJ edited it. I don't know if that's... Well, we got full on that one, didn't we? <laughs> anyway, sorry, OCD. Um, continued faithfulness. Do you understand that faithfulness is a fruit of the Spirit? Well, that's a cuss word in my house, Pastor AJ. We, we do it for a while, but we're not doing it for long term, <laughs> right? Can I be disciplined and just keep marching? God, I don't understand why I'm walking through this. I'm living a lifestyle of repentance before you. I love you, even though sometimes I feel like I just want to throw in the towel and quit. But I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be obedient because I understand that greater is he that's in me than he is in the world. And I know that I'm covered in the blood. So no weapon formed against me shall be able to prosper. And every tongue that rises against me in condemnation, you're going to condemn because I'm covered. I'm covered in the blood of Jesus. There's benefits to the blood. I'll get part two next week, and I got three more next week, tonight. Let's just do it tonight. No, I'm just kidding. But, but I'll give you the next three next Wednesday night. There's benefits to the blood. Stand to your feet. Are y'all with me tonight? The blood of Jesus to the believer if prayer is our oxygen then the blood I don't know I want want to say it in the one way that I want to say it but I better not say it the blood of Jesus is very important and tonight I don't know where you're at in this journey that I feel like I wanted to minister to some people that are in a place of where you're just tired, you're weary, you've been walking in faithfulness, you're walking in repentance, you're obeying, you're walking upright before the Lord, but you're just struggling in the place of just saying, man, pastor, it's hard, it's hard. I want to encourage you to right now, in this moment, if you would, just close your eyes across, across the room, and I want you just to confess out of your mouth. Think about that situation. Think about that situation that you're currently in right now. See yourself standing in the middle of it. See Jesus standing right beside you. And you're looking at the situation. You're saying, Jesus, I plead your blood and point your finger to it. I plead your blood over this situation. I understand that the blood speaks. I understand that the blood is powerful. I understand that whenever it's applied, the destroyer can't step across the line. It can't step across the the threshold. So right now, I plead the blood. Right now, I plead the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. I stand in the courts of heaven in your heavenly place before you, Jesus. I see you as a strength of my life. And I declare, I will, this circumstance, this situation is not going to take me. It's not going to take my focus. It's not going to take my heart. It's not going to take my family. I plead the blood. I encourage you, whoever you are tonight, and let me prophesy to you just a general word. Stay faithful and keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving. Don't stop. 
You take your word. Go back to it and follow the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 6. Put on the whole armor. Breastplate of righteousness that guards your heart. The helmet of salvation that guards against the voice of the enemy. Knowing where your righteousness and your salvation comes from. Put on the belt of truth. Grab a hold of the word. Wield it correctly with the sword of the spirit. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Keep moving. Don't stop. Don't stop. Father, I pray right now over this house. I pray over our people. God, I pray that this revelation of the blood of Jesus would be such an eye-opener to them. In their prayer lives first, because that's that's where we that's our prayers are oxygen to you. It's our breathing. And so, Father, I pray for revelation of the blood. And to whom much has been given, we understand that we're responsible for what we know. Much is to be expected from us. So I pray for the revelation of the blood. I pray that you would open the eyes of our understanding. Teach us to be faithful and walk before you upright. So that the blood can continually flow upon our lives, as 1 John says. It washes us. Jesus, thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood. There's power in it. The name of Jesus, I declare and pray. Amen, amen, amen.